Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Go. This is Penn Sunday School, and to our listening ears, all angels sings and round us swings the music of the saints. This is Penn Sunday School. Here we go. Sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn Sunday School, starring Penn Gillette. My name is Michael Gadeau. Penn, Reddy, Rich, and I are broadcasting from the show creator's studio south. On this week's Chitta Chat, we'll talk about the highlights of Goudot's trip to North Dakota. We'll try not to grouse too much about COVID or vaccines, and maybe we'll read a little viewer mail. Here he is preaching love, Mr. Pendulette. Another good job, Goudot. Thank you. You are right in the pocket. <laughs> yeah. We should do like another 10 or 15 <laughs> yeah. intros. 10 years in and we're set. <laughs> Got it going. So North Dakota, where were you playing in North Dakota? I don't know the name of the town. Jesus. But was it a, was it a, was it a, a casino? Yes. Yes. It was the Prairie Knights Casino. How big a casino is it? Because uh, you know, the one in Oklahoma that's in the middle of nowhere. Right. Is gigantic. Yeah, it's it's pretty big. It's a pretty big spot. Uh, there were, and in spite of being what seems to me a long way from anything, <laughs> uh, you know, what I mean, I think their directions say, you know, thirty miles south of this town you never heard of, and fifty miles north of this town you've never heard of. <laughs> in in spite of that, there were two thousand people there to see a show. 2,000 people. Yes. See the Lance Burton show. All to see the Lance Burton show in the middle of nowhere. We were their first show back, and it felt great to be doing a show. They were all masked? No, at that point they weren't. This was a couple weeks ago before things sort of fell back into hell. <laughs> and how many shows you do? Just one. One show? One show. And how long did it take to drive there? Uh, well, it's a, it's a long, complicated story. <laughs> well, let's hear the long, complicated story. Uh, um, Lance has uh, decided to buy a, a tour bus. Lance is a tour bus. Lance bought a tour bus. But Lance isn't touring. I think Lance wants to tour a little more. I, I, I feel that this is an indication. Okay. <laughs> I presume he didn't want just a bus in his backyard, but maybe... You know, a lot of people in Kentucky have a lot of abandoned vehicles in their yard. Maybe he thought a bus was the coolest. <laughs> so I think he went to Nashville and, and found himself a, a nice uh, a tour bus. This and is a, uh, this this is a, uh, a country music. giant silver. Country music tour yeah. bus? Big, I mean, the, like country music artists toured in this? this yeah, like, it's that, that sort of thing, a big giant silver. Is it all decked out like that? Uh, no, it's decked out like, a, like a, an old couple's uh, camper on the inside. Because <laughs> I, I went and saw, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Trace Atkins. Yeah. Tour bus that he, when he was here mm -hmm. that had like, you know, it was like this really classy, like, I mean, not my kind of classy. <laughs> gold gold toilet seat classy. Yeah, that kind of shitty classy, you know. Not, classy with a K. <laughs> classy with a K. You know, he had like, you know... Um, Leather, leather couches, uh -huh. 
for he could watch his big TV right. sports on his big TV with uh-huh. a leather couch and, you know, cigarettes. And, and, I, and I think that that's, you're talking kind of what Lance is, is like. It has a bedroom in the back and a shower and some closets and a little washer and dryer. And, uh, and how many of you were in it? Eight. Eight of us in it. One bedroom? One bedroom. Okay. Two beds in it. I've seen this on porn. The porn thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's how we got us all to agree to it. I mean, what are you talking about? <laughs> now, Mike Nesmith. You know, they, when the monkeys went out, because Mike Nesmith is is more wealthy than a lot of the people that would work in the on band. <laughs> than everyone else on Earth. When he went on tour with the monkeys, this is many years back, he rented, you know, like one of those really fancy tour buses. Mm-hmm. And um, the rest of the band, uh, Mickey and Peter, uh, Davey, and yeah. uh, not Davey, I think Davey was dead then. Oh. Mickey and Peter mm-hmm. and uh, the band. Mm-hmm. We're on one bus, and then Mike Nesmith was on another bus <laughs> that had like an espresso machine. Yeah, and uh, he was touring very, very comfortably. He said that the bus was a more, uh, uh, more luxurious way to travel than private planes. I, and I think that that's true. It, I, have you ever done a bus and truck tour? I've never done a. Uh, I, I've, I've been on a bus, right? But it's been like a regular. Like yeah, well, these, these, Lance is having the inside redone so that it has bunks in it, so that we'll all have a private spot to sleep. You're back in the circus. I Yeah, and in fact, I cannot tell you how happy I am about that. <laughs> I slept really well in the circus. Mm-hmm. You know, I had my own three- Does Lance have a driver? Uh, not yet. But he's going to get a driver. The plan is to get a driver. Right now, it's us, which is which uh, is illegal. I have no idea if that's of illegal. course it's illegal. You can't drive a bus. <laughs> I can drive a, a camper. Bus. I'm allowed without, to drive. The bus a, is bigger than a camper. It's a little bigger than a camper. You can't drive a bus without a license. Well, I can. <laughs> Maybe "can" is the word that we should be working on. <laughs> you shouldn't drive a bus without a. That's bus. correct. <laughs> that I will absolutely agree with. <laughs> and I had my first driving bus lesson at 4 a.m. till 8.15 a.m. <laughs> huh? When everybody else went, oh, kind of too tired. Can you drive? And I went, oh, yeah, I'm pretty awake. I'll drive. <laughs> Who taught you? <laughs> uh, just one of the one of our crew guys said, "Let me, you know, here's how you do this. Here's how you do that. Well, tell us some of the stuff. <laughs> well, it was it's just there are many more buttons than you would think on a on a bus. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a bus a door to a bus to open the door. A button to I'll get there eventually. A button to open the door. There's a button to put a little platform under the feet of the person sitting in the passenger side, and there's buttons to level the bus and to shift the bus doesn't have a shifter. It's got buttons, and there are lights and lots. Oh, it's of little, not automatic. It isn't automatic. But it, it, it's not on the dash or anything like you're Always. used to seeing. And so there's, you know, there are three or four buttons that I have to push before the bu- bus will start. And How go. fast does bus go? Bus goes regular speed, highway speeds. So you're going, you're, you're driving a full-size bus. Yeah. You a monkey. 65 miles a an monkey hour is on putting a two-line road. Tons of At metal. 4 a.m. <laughs> I believe you have a clear grasp of the situation. And people are sleeping in the back. Yeah. As, everybody- as best they can, because I don't know about them, but when I was sleeping, when the other people were driving, it wasn't that restful. <laughs> you know, yeah. every time you hear that kind of that rumble strip, you think, this is it. <laughs> do, you have t- do you have TV on? Oh, God, we're going. <laughs> TV's on? No, TV's not on, on on the first trip. The TV was on the second trip. Well, they, 
The first trip was, like I said, all night. We got on, they got on the bus at you know nine o'clock at night and got off at nine in the morning at the Prairie Nights Casino. And then did you have rooms? There? And we went into the hotel and had our rooms and slept for the day. And it was the nearest airport's not eleven hours. Yeah, I'm not sure what the nearest airport is, but we decided we would all fly to Des Moines and get on the bus. <laughs> How'd the bus get to Des Moines? I don't. I think the bus is in Des Moines. Um, our, our one of our uh, one of our acts, uh, Keith West, lives in Des Moines. Ah, and so Keith is, I believe, in charge of having a wrap put on the bus, which hasn't been done yet that I know of, and they're doing it now. They hadn't had it done before that time. It'll say Lance Burton. It'll say, I don't know what it'll say. <laughs> I don't think he wants it to say Lance Burton, but it might be Purple Bus of Mystery. Bus sure sounds like it needs a wrap. It needs a wrap. <laughs> it's going to be cool. Well, you know. The, and it's going to put, he's going to put bunks in it. We're all going to have our own sleeping places. And The best tour bus uh, in the, in the uh, 70s was owned by Frank Zappa. And it was called Fido with a PH, Fido, mm -hmm. P-H-Y-D-O, mm -hmm. Fido. Maybe it was P-H-Y-D-E-A-U. Like mm -hmm. Godot, right. Fido. Fido. Um, and uh, Zappa owned it. Mm -hmm. And Zappa made money renting it out. And if you look at Rolling Thunder, the Bob Dylan tour, he's on Fido. Wow. And supposedly it was at the time state-of-the-art comfortable. Well, maybe that's what we should be shooting for. Maybe we'll rent it in the off times. <laughs> it should be an Airbnb in Lance's yard. <laughs> you know, that was the funny thing. We we have a we had an 18-wheeler. Yeah. Right? And a big... Uh, trailer for yeah. the 18 wheeler when our when our props would go and it was really funny because uh, other shows you know david copperfield mm -hmm. has an 18 wheeler and it's just his eyes yes. across the back and very mysterious david copperfield it says not mysterious right. as david copperfield right but the big eyes looking yeah. out and you see other shows that had the big thing mm -hmm. ours just said road show yeah yours i've seen yours <laughs> <laughs> You're missing an opportunity here, my friend. Well, I don't know why you are missing an opportunity. Why you'd want to take a bus? Teller and I, we fly to the gig, we get to the hotel, we sleep in the hotel like human beings. W what's wrong with that? Well, I think that's the the type of uh, venues where that Lance is planning on are uh, a few hundred miles apart, and so it's you know if you if you had to drive to an airport and then. The closest airport is still the one that you landed at <laughs> for your next gig. And so if you're going to go two or 300 miles, this is a great way to do it, I think. Mm. And, and and I hope that it is, and I hope we do a lot more of them. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah, it would be. I would love to do that. I I like sleeping on a bus. I I, I don't really particularly want to drive the bus, but it's a skill I now have. <laughs> well, but it's not a skill you should have. It's not a skill you legally I'm have. I'm nine hours into my bus training now, my friend. <laughs> I think I'm giving that up? No way. I'm going to monetize it. I'm going to be, between gigs, I'll be driving other people's buses. I, uh... <laughs> Uber bus. <laughs> I, everything about this, I think I would hate. I think you probably would. But for me, there's just a, I have a different set of beliefs yeah. than you. <laughs> On many of these things. Yeah. I like driving. I like seeing things. I think it's cool. I don't want to drive. I don't want to see things. I don't want to go places. <laughs> yeah. Okay. See, I think that's a basic difference. Between one of the few. <laughs> one of the few things we disagree on. You like to be outside. I like to be outside. I don't mind being outside in my backyard. I just want to be outside in the wilderness. Right now, it's tough being outside here in Vegas. It is dang hot. I'm, out, I'm outside all the time. Yeah. Good for you. I go you. outside all the time. I love it. I just love it. Mm-hmm. 
The other day, it rained really hard. Yeah, you know what? Remember how the last few years we have not had a monsoon season? Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's back. And it's back with a vengeance. We have had serious rains and serious I floods. just sit out in my backyard it's and so watch It's so beautiful the rain and delightful. And smell it. And yeah. It's just great. I love it. Per, per, Perkitror? Get... Perkitror? No. There's a name for pe- the smell. Pe- petricor. Petricor. That could be it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a great, great, great smell. Love that smell. I guess I, at some point, would like to try the bus thing. I think mean, Nez made me think like it was a nice thing. Well, let me and, know. You need a driver. <laughs> I'll be there for you, my friend. <laughs> but, uh, you know, my family likes to take uh, RVs. My wife loves See, to take it, RVs. It, maybe during the summer months, you and your family should get in the bus and travel the U.S. and do shows. Then that just that doesn't pull something from you. You don't you don't get the, like nothing. I think that would be oh that'd be kind of cool. No. No? no, no, okay. See, I would love that. I would love to have my family go with me in the bus and we'd travel to these shows. And <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, okay, no, 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 no. But you guys did it in what a Datsun B two ten? Well, yeah, Datsun Datsun two ten station wagon. <laughs> Tell and I traveled in, and also in a van with all our props. Yeah. And we drive all night and then, um, you know, and sometimes sleep in campgrounds and stuff. We, we tell her and I did, did it rough yeah. in the early days. But then we really right away went to Motel 6s. Uh-huh. We, we did not like the camping thing. Neither one of us are camping guys. <laughs> no, that, that. You like KOA. I do like camping. I'm not necessarily KOA, but I think KOA's okay at sometimes. KOA's a little too sophisticated for me. <laughs> I'm afraid to say KOA has, you know, showers and and uh cabins that you You just like hate taking a shower no i love taking a shower especially having to have to shower for a day (laughs) koa is interested in being a sponsor we'll like them a whole lot more yeah Yeah. (laughs) for a while i had a koa card i had a discount card for koa really i joined their camper club which uh, both start with k along with the classy of the bus Yeah, I never, Teller and I thought when we first went to the Renaissance Festivals that camping would be a good thing for us. It'd be good and cheap, and we'd like it, mm-hmm. and we didn't like it. I didn't like walking to the shower and See, didn't I, like I really, I really like walking to the shower. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that specifically. I really like walking to the shower. I really, really like getting out of the shower and putting on my show costume. I think that is really funny and weird, and then going and doing shows. I just go straight from there, <laughs> climb out of the shower. I'm very, very good at putting my underwear on without my wet feet touching the edges of my underwear. <laughs> All very important skills when you're camping. And I like coming back at night and roasting s'mores. None of that. <laughs> it's cool. It smells like trees. No. Oh, so no. good. I like to go back to the Four Seasons. <laughs> I like to go back to the Four Seasons some of the time. And go on. I would split between the two. And I like to check my laptop, check my mail, mm-hmm. read on my Kindle, take a bath, go to sleep, get up in the morning, take a shower like a human being, then go to the theater and put my my wardrobe on. <laughs> you know, I've been going to the theater. This is this, You'd love this. You see me to here. Yes. I am wearing uh, gym shorts. Yep. And slippers. Mm-hmm. I've been going into the show uh, very close to in the bathrobe. Gym shorts. <laughs> I do like that. I sometimes have a shirt that's not even buttoned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been thinking about going in with no shirt. 
Yeah. And I just drive in, go into my dressing room and get the show costume and then come out and I'm, I'm never ever wearing clothes other than the show costume. Yeah. yeah my wife's giving me a hard time because I wear nothing but a black t-shirt and gray sweatpants. And because it, it's because two years ago I was wearing that and she said, oh, you look kind of nice today. And I went, that's it. I'm doing that. I have now got all black shirts and gray sweatpants. I don't put a shirt on. Mm. I have gym shorts, and that's it I wear around the house. <laughs> and then when I go in the backyard to meditate, I take the gym shorts off. Mm. I sit and meditate in the backyard naked. <laughs> uh, I spend, uh, and when my uh, when my mother-in-law's gone, my family's gone, I, uh, I spend all my time in the house naked. <laughs> My family's never gone. They're just never gone. <laughs> and even if they were, I probably wouldn't be naked most of the time. I go swimming naked late yeah. at night. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, I'm happy. I'm happy. In the four seasons naked is where, was where I belong. <laughs> right right now, I'm kind of semi-quarantining in my house. Right. Because my uh, my family have been out in the world. Yes. And so I don't want to test positive because our show would, would shut down. Yeah. Even though I'm vac vaccinated, wouldn't get very sick. I'm you very still, afraid of the show. You could pass it to one of the other people or. Yeah. But I mean, I just, I just legally have yeah. to shut down. So, um, you know, I can't, I'd have to quarantine. I can't do the mm -hmm. show. So, uh, I don't want to test positive. So I'm now, uh, in our house, but I'm not near my family. <laughs> I'm mostly outside. I'm walking around. Right. I'm eating separate from them. I'm not, I, when I talk to family members, I talk outdoors at a good distance. Mm -hmm. We're not, you know, sometimes they're masked and they've been tested and they, when they, when they're negative, we'll, we'll go back to being a normal family. Sure. We won't go back to being a normal family. We'll go back to being like <laughs> the, the Adams family. So if you can't make the show, does Matt King get a call from Teller? Yeah. Teller and Friends. <laughs> That'd be a good show. Um, it would be. It would be a very good show. Um, uh, did you see the thing that was all over Twitter of um, the list of people not allowed in that guy's house? No. It's really funny. There's a list that some neighbor of somebody put up that is like, um, uh, what is it, like six, eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper <laughs> with handwritten not welcome in my house, right? Yeah. And it includes like the Clintons and includes um, Snoop Dogg <laughs> and it includes um, Donald Trump, Melania Trump, Ivanka Trump, right? Um, Ivanka Trump, whichever one it is. And, uh, you know, like, you know, the Foo Fighters, but <laughs> number one on the list, yeah. the top of the list, the first name on the list, not welcome in this house, Pendulet. Wow. Spelled G-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. -T -T -E. <laughs> Maybe there's another guy. <laughs> Maybe he owns a razor company and you are just like trying to step into his spotlight. Yeah. Casting a little shade on this poor guy. <laughs> Teller's also on, on the list. Well, uh, maybe he's talking about a bank teller. <laughs> okay, you got me. <laughs> I couldn't find anybody to give me a source on where that title comes from, though. Well, what title? It's just a list of names on the paper. There's no title on it. Right. Mm. Wow. And where is this house? Is it next door to you? <laughs> is there a reason you're on this list other than the obvious? It claims to be uh, a neighbor of um, somebody took a picture of it on Twitter. Right. But I don't you know. It's not your neighbor. Not your next door no. neighbor. 
<laughs> I just don't I know. get it if it's your next door neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> the police department referenced on there is from Utah. Uh, mm. Well, I'm not welcome in Utah as a rule anyway. I, I, I bet that's wrong. <laughs> I mean, there's a good portion of Utah that would let you drive a bus through their state. <laughs> a Travis Gamillion says, I might be totally off base with this, but I think that Pan and the guy should try to mention kindness, maintain kindness when discussing people who are unvaccinated. My wife and I are totally vaccinated and actually had COVID-19 last year. It was terrible. We know the realities of how bad this virus is and fully accept the science behind it, including wearing masks indoors, etc. We also have family who are on the opposite side, so to speak. I hate putting it that way. However, I have read and been shown evidence that in New York City, for example, some of the lowest vaccinated zip codes are those inhabited by underprivileged people and minorities. I'm still doing more research on this topic, but it makes sense to me that people of color, particularly African-Americans, might be very hesitant to get this vaccine because of previous atrocities done to their people by the American government, e.g. Tuskegee syphilis experiment. I don't claim to know the answer to any of this, but I do worry about possibly excluding people who have a decent reason to be leery of the vaccine given their racial history. Anyways, don't tear me up too bad, Reddy. Uh, of course. Uh, this is one of the things uh, our friend Katrina, yeah, who is from uh, the Netherlands, uh, Katrina uh, is part in San Francisco of helping people get vaccinated. Yeah, she's a volunteer. And one of the things they're doing is not concentrating on people who don't want the vaccine, but concentrating on people who can't get it. Right. Now, uh, I don't know how you deal with the Tus Tuskegee thing. I mean, that's just not true for this. And I don't think you can say it's okay to believe things that aren't true. Right. But I will say I agree completely about this. Right. Uh, so much has been written about the people who are um, uh, Trump hesitant, which is so weird because Trump could get credit for developing it's the vaccine. his vaccine, remember? <laughs> he did it so fast and beautifully. And tries to claim credit for it. Yeah. Probably deserves some. But I don't understand why his people aren't using it. It should be going the other way. I don't, I don't understand anything. But we don't in any way. We are not showing disrespect for the unvaccinated right. who, uh, who can't get to it. I, I do find it very, very difficult to be uh, magnanimous about uh, people who are choosing not to get vaccinated. It seems, um, even if you don't care about getting sick, it seems like putting everybody else in danger. Right. Uh, for really crazy shit, do you right. believe? I, I mean, I, I guess I understand not trusting the U.S. government. Mm. Uh, if I were black, I might not trust you. I don't trust the U.S. government, and I'm not. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, the Tuskegee Airmen is a, a fine thing, you know? I mean, I mean, not a, a, a fine example of ways not to trust them. I, and every day we hear another story about, oh, you know what? They took the subway out so it wouldn't go out to poor people's neighborhoods so they couldn't have jobs here. They wouldn't be able to get to their job. And now, you know, fuck those guys. Yeah. And, 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 and discovering how that's prevalent in every single aspect of our society up until now. And uh, maybe I can see, well, I don't trust those guys this time. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it is the problem with, uh, with, with you know, it, it is the boy who cried wolf. Yeah. You know, uh, the government has said stuff that had been wrong so many times, 
that it's hard to believe, you know, this stuff. And uh, I guess there has to be some sympathy, but I do believe, I mean, with every part of me, I don't have the slightest bit of doubt in my mind. And I don't, that doesn't mean it's true, but I just don't feel any doubt about the vaccine. No, I, I do not either. I, None. And, uh, you know, when it's people... I believe you should get the vaccine. And I think this guy with the, these list of names, you should let Nev Campbell into your house if she shows up. Is that one of the people on the <laughs> That's list? That's one of the people on the list. I'm like, what? Patricia Arquette? Patricia Arquette's welcome in my house. <laughs> Why don't you go through the list and say who's welcome in your house? <laughs> this is good. We found finally something to fill the show. Beyonce. I think I would let Beyonce into my house. Uh-huh. <laughs> Will Smith. The whole Smith family. They're all welcome. <laughs> Welcome to my house, President Biden. Sure, Nicole Kidman, very cute. <laughs> Nicholas Cage, Angelina Jolie, Jennifer Aniston. I, I, he just thought of every name he could. I don't, he just didn't want anybody in his house. <laughs> but remember, on that whole list, I'm the first one. You're number one. Yeah, that's how I start my list. This is <laughs> very similar to the one at my house. <laughs> Eric Trump. So we, it, it, I like that we can't tell what side he's on. Yeah, I, I do like that. I do like that. <laughs> he just does not want Lou Diamond Phillips at his house. And who can blame him? <laughs> I like Lou Diamond Phillips. I'm sure Lou Diamond Phillips is wonderful, and I would love to have him at Lou my Diamond house. Phillips is also. I just want to say, anyone on this list, you are all welcome at my house He's a, uh, tonight. Let's barbecue. <laughs> he's a fabulous cook, Lou Diamond Phillips. Well, that, really. Well, he's the first person we invite for the barbecue then. He's a real... I love Lou Diamond Phillips. And Lou Diamond Phillips, the first time I met him, first time I met Lou Diamond Phillips was so funny. Uh, remember Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles yes, in L.A.? of course. Yeah. Well, I don't, I wouldn't go there now because I'm a vegan, but um, <laughs> I used to love it. Yeah. Chicken and Waffles. And uh, it was always crowded. And I went in there and he said, uh, 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 I was, I'm sitting, I just sit down, right? And Lou Diamond Phillips comes over to my table. I'd never met him before. Never met him. And he went, uh, hi, Penn. And I went, hi. And he said, uh, Lou Diamond Phillips. I said, nice to meet you. But I just want to tell you, uh, Roscoe's has a policy, uh, one celebrity at a time in the restaurant. <laughs> I'm leaving now, so you're welcome here. Uh, John Lithgow's coming in at 8.30, and you'll be done by then. Is that correct? I said, <laughs> yeah. He said, Okay. Nice to meet you. <laughs> what a great way to introduce That's yourself. That's a funny guy right there. Really funny. <laughs> really funny. <laughs> Elizabeth Banks is on here twice. <laughs> Elizabeth Banks twice? Twice. Once in regular cursive and the next time in capital letters. <laughs> she's really not welcome. Well, she's not first. <laughs> she's not first, <laughs> but she is twice. <laughs> Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon's not allowed at this guy's house. Kevin Bacon? Who would not want Kevin Bacon around? <laughs> Woody Harrelson is not allowed. In I, can, this I can understand that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let me go through and make your own. Bruce Willis. Bruce is not allowed. Bruce I is have... welcome in my house. Yeah. Bruce is welcome in my house. Who do you see on that list that would not be welcome? Uh, you know what? There's no one. Reverend Jesse Jackson. <laughs> Keen on Reverend Jackson. In my the house. Trumps, but, but I would allow him in. The Trumps. The Trumps are really not welcome at my house. Yeah, but I think that's. Yeah, no, I I can't find anybody else. <laughs> Who's last on the list? 
Who's the last one the guy thought of? Oh, hold on. It's the last are all judges. So <laughs> the last one, two, three are judges. Oh, I see. So maybe maybe that's a little personal. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we can we can figure out who this is by the judges. <laughs> Who's been convicted in these three courts? <laughs> Let's talk about Masterclass. Yeah. We? Masterclass, this is, I'm going to read what they say, and I'm going to insert us in here, okay? Mm -hmm. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere at your own pace. You can learn how to do magic from Penn and Teller. Improve your magic skills from Penn and Teller uh, or Johnny Thompson. And again, number one on the list. <laughs> With all 100 classes from a range of world-class instructors, that thing you always wanted to do is closer than you think. I'll tell you, the masterclass people, their production is beautiful. It is beautiful. Their clarity is beautiful. They really do teach you stuff, you know? I went and looked at some stuff I didn't care about, like basketball. And you learn stuff, you know? I'd, stuff I'd never do, like being an astronaut. You learn stuff. It's really, really, it is one price for the whole thing. You sign up for yep. Masterclass, you can do them forever. For year, and yeah. Ready Rich is doing them forever. What have you been doing now? Most recently, I did St. Vincent. And tell me about that. She's a singer-recording artist, does a music production class. Mm -hmm. And did you learn a lot? First time I ever heard this thing that I've hated my entire life said in a way that I appreciated. Oh, good. We'll get to that later. Okay? It's not part of the Masterclass thing. But uh, how many of the classes have you done, Ready Rich? Just shy of 25% now. 25%, which they have about 100, right? I haven't counted. Yeah, so you're- They just have a meter that I watch on. Yeah. It's not necessary to sit down and consume a full class start to finish. Sharing insights of individual lessons, what you're able to learn in 10 minutes is great too. You, know, you can do that. You learn a lot of stuff, even if you're not learning, you're not actually wanting to do that. You learn stuff like life lessons. I mean, how Ron, people think. The Ron Howard directing one is great. The Steve Martin, mm -hmm. uh, it's really good. Highly recommend you check it out. Get unlimited access to every masterclass. And as a Penn Sunday School listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash pen. That's masterclass.com slash pen for 15% off the masterclass. I should point out that it's really, really nice. A uh, uh, lot of different topics, immersive experience. It's flexible, and there's additional resources, too. Like, you get you books and, stuff books and menus out. and yeah, stuff nice. that you can print out. It's really, really good. So go to Masterclass. Check that out. I'll tell you, we loved, we loved working with them. Just loved working with them. And it, ours turned out really good. It is I mean, beautiful. people seem to really love, love ours a lot. You all see Matt Donnelly. You see yep. Piff the Magic Dragon. You see the, uh, the wonderful Johnny Thompson that we miss yeah. so much. Let's talk about St. Vincent, shall we? Okay. What, is, what did uh, St. Vincent tell you that you usually hate that she gave you different stuff in the master class? This idea of avoiding music theory as a musician. Mm -hmm. Have you ever understood that? I never have, no. Yeah, I've, I've never gotten it. It seems so cynical or ignorant, one or the other. And she laid that out in a way that, probably not even paraphrasing here, but it's already in your bones what you need for pop music. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to study it at that level. You already know where you need to go for it. Uh, well, you know, Jonathan Rausch wrote this um, new book called The Congress of I you will find it, The Constitution of Ideas, maybe. Jonathan Rausch's new book. Now, Jonathan Rausch wrote uh, Kindly Inquisitors, which is a brilliant, brilliant book. 
And I also did the uh, the the uh, the audio book, which you did with me, Randy Rich. It was like kicking a doctor in a pill, wasn't it? Both of you did. Was that? I said both of you did. <laughs> both of us did what? Old pen and new pen. Oh yes, that's right. Both of both of me did. Do you have the name of the new book there? The Constitution of Knowledge: A Defense of Truth. The Constitution of Knowledge, and the point he's making, and I haven't um, gotten to the whole book yet. It's a really wonderful book. We should have Jonathan Rausch on when I finish. That would be the book. fun. Jonathan's point is that you cannot do science alone. The important part of science is the agreement of the culture. Yes. So there is no brilliant scientific breakthrough without a culture around it. And the way we establish what's true is with the culture. And as I'm reading this, uh, he does, you know, there's, there's political constitution and there's this knowledge constitution in science. Mm -hmm. And that, um, uh, what's breaking down with, with Twitter and the, and the separate groups getting their own information, everybody being allowed their own opinions, but not their own facts. What's breaking down in that facts there is the very um, uh, constitution of knowledge. That's what's breaking down. But as I'm reading it, I become very aware that what happens in, in pop culture, and especially pop music, is you have to have the agreed upon sound that we want now. And I think that's a little bit of what the, the kind of thing, the St. Vincent thing makes me think of. Uh, what you're trying to find in pop music is not some ideal from your heart, but you're trying to find what pop music wants Sure. that everybody's going to agree on. What do we like this week? Yeah, it's, it's this stuff. It's the thing I do not understand about fashion, how fashion we're deciding where hemlines are going to be and where as a culture, you know, it's just crazy. I don't get it at all. Why don't you put on what you want to put on? Well, that's not the way it works. We are social beings. We're really discovering that during the pandemic, that we really are tremendously social. Yeah. So maybe what St. Vincent makes me think of, and I don't want to say it's only what it makes me think of hearing it from Reddy. It's nothing to do with what she actually right. said. Um, is that what you're trying to find in pop music is you're trying to take the pop music that you absorbed and trying to spew back something slightly different that happens to fit in that very narrow confines. In today's flavor. Yeah. Because the confines of pop music are the most restrictive of any musical form. Isn't that true, Randy? <laughs> are we defining pop music as popular classical and jazz? No. I mean, the distinction between yeah. those three? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say probably country dance hall is the most restrictive. Mm-hmm which is a form of popular music. Yeah. And then EDM next. Yeah, EDM, you have no no variation, right? Yeah, it's very limited, at least structurally, mm -hmm. and what you could do per generation, you know, in the context that you're talking about yeah. uh, of your time. Very little drift. Very you little. Know, Lord makes a, uh, an argument about the difference between an audience of one, an audience of 100, and an audience of 10,000. What are points? Which we've talked about before mm -hmm. in our context as magicians and DJ and yeah. that kind of thing. But speaking to 10,000 people at one time is a very different art than it is to a room of 20. Mm -hmm. Very different. And very few people could do it. Yeah. And it's really only pop music and sports that do that. And jugglers. 
Ten thousand people. <laughs> yeah. What what ten thousand people have ever watched the Juggler? Um, yeah, I've done a few stadium shows. Have you? I have with other performers. Like what? Uh, I did a, a a Christmas party in Japan for an, a, a giant arena full of uh, cellular phone employees. Uh -huh. And so it's you know it's it's me, it's Princess Tenko, it's uh, uh, Valentino. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny crowd <laughs> but we're doing a show for ten thousand people with giant screens on the tv so when i turn around and i'm doing behind the back i can look at myself doing behind the back on a giant screen and go wow that's a cool trick <laughs> we did uh but you've done that you've done every now and then well it for thirteen thousand people yeah. we've done uh we did with george bush mm -hmm. uh senior mm -hmm. the original george bush uh, he was our opening act, and we came out. And it, it's what I'm struck by when you're working for um, over ten thousand people is how lonely it is on stage. Yes, you it, can't see anything. Can't see anything. Can't hear anything. Yeah, because the monitors are so loud; they have to be, or you'd hear the bounce back, drive yourself crazy. You'd hear the echo, so you can't do that. So the monitors are incredibly loud. We staging it so Teller's pretty far away from me. Mm -hmm. The lights are so bright you can't see anybody. And you cannot hear any individual sounds. The audience is just. I worked one of those with you, I believe. Where was that? Here in town at uh, at the big the big uh, UNLV stadium, at, at some rock concert or something, right? I don't remember what it was. I think it was Toyota, maybe Toyota cars, maybe. I don't know. You and me and uh, Kenny Raskin and Teller and um, Michael Motion. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that it's was huge. a huge arena. Huge. Huge arena. Huge. It's so weird to be that alone. Yes. You're, you're much more alone on a stage like that than you are in your, in your house. Right. You're just, it's just really weird. There's this real self-absorbed isolation that's unbelievable. That vacuum of, of audience response is amazing. Yeah. It's very strange. Just a black hole. But on the plus side, if only a third of them like you, you're still killing. <laughs> still 4,000 people love the show. <laughs> you know, uh, I watched the uh, the Paul McCartney, uh, Rick Rubin thing called McCartney 321. Yeah. And uh, you should really watch it, Ready? Because it, it is, um, the way it's laid out is really interesting for a show. They've got a desk, you know, a mixing desk in the middle of this room. Mixing desk in the middle of a barn and a couple of speakers. And Rick Rubin pulls out that the tape they put on there. I mean, the actual sticky tape you write on. Board tape. Board tape. He pulls out the board tape for Maxwell's Silver Hammer. And he just lays it across so that he has every track the Beatles recorded for Maxwell Silver Hammer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, he takes out the board tape, <laughs> but he has the tape already done. It's already okay. done laid out. He lays out the board it's like tape. Like a toilet paper gag. <laughs> so he knows. No, they're just they're just laid out over the top of the desk. All right. And he just takes Maxwell's silver hammer and he goes, and then he pulls up track after track and says to Paul, "What are you doing here? Wow, what is this? I bet that's fascinating. It's really fascinating." And he says, "Um, uh, on Maxwell's silver hammer, let's listen to the tuba part because it's not a tuba part. It's you playing bass." Right. And Paul says, yeah, I got this tuba sound. He goes, how'd you do that? <laughs> he goes, I don't really know. I'm playing kind of staccato, you know, boom, boom, boom. Back. So that's electric bass. Wow. Amazing. 
And then he puts up the piccolo trumpet in Penny Lane, and he puts up all this stuff. And that was before you could actually cheat that stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you, Paul McCartney did not know how to cheat uh, and just hit the tuba button yeah. <laughs> on his synth. Yeah. And it's uh, it's really great because he also has tracks like I'm Maybe I'm Amazed. Mm. He goes, what's this? And he goes, <laughs> and Paul goes, uh, I think we took that out of the mix. <laughs> he goes, well, what is it? He goes, it's a, uh, it's a, I think I'm playing guitar or something. <laughs> and there's some stuff where Paul goes, uh, he goes, who's playing guitar on this? Like some of the Beatles mm -hmm. stuff. And Paul listens and goes, oh, uh, a couple big mistakes there. That's me. <laughs> so if that were George, it would be cleaner. Uh, no, that's, that's me. That's terrible. <laughs> and he goes, we used to think in the early days of the Beatles that the producer didn't notice a mistake. We just, shh didn't mention it he just got away with it he didn't really know it was going to go out there and be in the world forever and it's really amazing he sits down and plays the piano and talks about it. so it's like you know it's like um it's like six hours and uh he also he plays while my guitar gently weeps and goes what are you doing on bass and it's really amazing paul is playing like a heavy metal black sabbath thing behind this like lyrical solo that eric clapton's doing it's it's really interesting. And Paul comes off as really delightful. He comes off as uh, humble and smart. And it really is, uh, I was so perplexed by this, because Paul still cannot read or write music. He's done symphony orchestras. <laughs> and you'd think, well, you know, Paul, would, wouldn't at some point you just go, I'll learn this just for fun? <laughs> you think he's still going, you know, all good boys do. There yeah. we go. Put that dot right there. <laughs> Every good boy. <laughs> See, no. that's how good I am at, mad, at music. All cows eat grass. All cows eat grass. There it is. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's really interesting how the Beatles found this pocket. And Paul says this really interesting thing where he says, it took me a long time to be a Beatles fan. But now I'm far enough away from it, I can go and go, yeah, yeah, I understand what that is to our culture, you know. Uh -huh. And he also says this beautiful, I'm ruining it for everybody here. He says, <laughs> he says this beautiful sentence. He says, when I was in the Beatles, I was just working with John. It was just John working with me. He said, now I look back and I go, I was working with John Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice thing. You know, it's really, it's really interesting. And it's also, uh, uh, Rick Rubin reads a wonderful, wonderful quote about Paul's bass playing. And he reads it off his phone, and Paul is very touched by it. And then Rick says, do you know who said that? Paul says, no, I've never heard it before. He said, John Lennon. <laughs> he said, well, John Lennon never said anything nice to me in the whole time we were together. That's pretty amazing. And it says, you know, Paul's a very underrated bass player. Just created, da, 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 da. It goes on and on and on. And... um I just looked it up online, and Rick Rubin had strategically left out the middle sentence, <laughs> in which John says, it's funny, because Paul's an egomaniac about everything else. He's insufferable, <laughs> but he's <laughs> but his bass playing, he's very humble about. And it really does deal with Paul as a bass player, which I found fascinating. Yeah. And uh, the kind of lines he chooses. See, that's... I've always found this fascinating about um, 
about jazz and about rock. No longer true, by the way. I'm talking about rock in the 60s and 70s, but it's no longer true. Because uh, rock music, you don't have guitars anymore, really. You're not going ever in a little while. It's all, it's all computers now. But, um, but in 60s and 70s, it was really weird because in jazz, uh, one bass player learned to do the same job as other bass players, right? So if you were doing a session and you couldn't get, you, you know, you couldn't get Ray Brown, you get another bass player and they knew the job that the bass had. The job the drummer had, the job that the uh, rhythm guitar player had, mm. the job that yeah. the um, sax player had. Everybody knew that job. So if you go to Japan, you know, and you're a uh, bass player, upright bass, and they're going to be playing jazz standards, you can get up on stage with your bass and you can play along with them. Right. And it's not that different than playing with a group in the US or in, in Europe. But with rock and roll, you ended up with friends who were trying to put this sound together. So Paul is not, in any sense, a bass player. Right. Paul was a guitar player, right, right. with the Beatles. And then Stu Sutcliffe left the Beatles, and somebody had to play bass. Somebody had to play bass. And John and George said, I will not do it. <laughs> I will not play bass. And Paul was the least headstrong, so Paul was the bass player. Now, Paul practiced lead guitar. That's what he wanted to be, lead guitar player, but he had stage fright, so he couldn't play lead guitar. He would choke. And he wanted to play rhythm guitar, but John was too strong a personality. He was going to play rhythm guitar. Sorry, that's it. I'm going to play rhythm guitar. I'm the leader of the group. So Paul is playing bass. So Paul ends up with these bass lines that are really um, melodic, and don't do the job of the bass player. Yeah. The job of the bass player is being done mostly by John on rhythm guitar. You know, yeah. that's the Beatles sound. It's a different kind of sound. If you look at the Who, it's even it's even more striking because Keith Moon is not doing the job of the drummer. There's no ride cymbal, there's no eighths. He is playing essentially lead guitar behind uh, Roger Daltrey's vocals. He's soloing the whole time. Yeah, he's singing. But, but no, he's not really soloing because he's singing along with Roger Daltrey. He's always singing along, every word, and he's punctuating every word that Roger does, and he's filling in behind him. So it is soloing, but it's soloing with the vocal. Yeah, duetting. Duetting, yeah. And then um, John Enswistle is doing all the harmonics, all the harmonic structure, uh, all that, and then... Pete is just kind of doing stings, you know, right. around it. And you could not plug, you could not plug Ringo's drumming into the Who. And you could not put Keith Moon into the Beatles because they're not playing the same instrument. They're just not playing the same instrument. There's all this work that has to be done to put out a pop single. Does and this it, kind of go back to what Reddy was saying? Pop music is is it's not about learning your instrument. It's yeah. about discovering yeah. what your sound is. How you how you fit in. How you react to the that. The minor differences you can do to that. And of course that's all gone to pieces now because because pop music is um with a very few exceptions, uh 
How many live instruments are being used on, in, the, in the top 40 right now already? Do you know? I haven't heard the top 40 in a while, I'm yeah. sorry to say. But when Dylan's, when Dylan was in the top 40 albums, which he was, uh, back with, um, you know, back a while ago, mm -hmm. um, uh, he was the only record on the charts that could be played. Right. The only record <laughs> where the, the performers could actually do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that disparagingly at all. Not at all. Because you can... Um, you can very clearly, and right. it's very you clear. You can't play Bohemian Rhapsody live. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, but Paul, and uh, uh, Paul makes this very, very, very clear. He would have been, um, Paul would fit in fine now, because Paul had in his head. And there is, you know, when I was talking to George Martin, yes, I was talking to George Martin. <laughs> uh, my picture walking across Abbey Shut Road. Up was taken by George Martin. <laughs> uh, I tried to say... Well, that we, might be why you're on this list of people you can't go visit his house. You, you know, you, um, you came up with, you know, the, the solos and stuff, and he would say, no, Paul sang them to me. Right. Paul sang the We've solos. We've seen the video of that. And it's amazing when he's on uh, For No One. It's the For No One. Yeah. Uh, we, see the, we see Paul doing the video for uh, George Martin going, it would go like this, and he goes... French horn. He even says the words French horn. Yeah. He has clear in his head what he wants. It's amazing how Paul, it's when I'm listening to Paul talk about music or listening to Miles Davis talk about music or anybody, I realize that I am so far from a musician. Yeah. I work so hard to play the upright bass. I work so hard to learn the rules. I work so hard to get the technique. And I work so hard to tap into where my solos could be. And yet, I can't even see real musicians from where I am. Because they have a sense of what the culture, what the culture wants to hear. What we are feeling now as a culture, what we want to hear and how that sounds and what emotions other people share. And that kind of sense of how sound affects people today. Yeah. Today, just in our culture, because it's not a sense of how how sound affects people. You know, it's not how to do a raga with a sitar. You know, Indian music. Mm -hmm. It's not a sense of how it affects people. It's a sense of where the culture is this second to be able to get that sound, and that's what geniuses like Beyonce, you know, right. and Billie Eilish. Right. That's what they have so crystal clear is they know what the culture of sound is now. And of course, the culture of sound is always for the top forty children. You know, mm. Billie Eilish is is knowing what fourteen year olds want to hear in this culture right now. Okay, I just picked that number fourteen, sure. but I think that probably pop music is still controlled by children, and people our age don't make a dent in it. Right, you know, Jackson Brown comes up with a new record. He may sell to people like us right. a little bit. Where does David Byrne fit in all of this? Ah, well, David Byrne is always. I know he's off on his own in space. Yeah, somewhere. he's off on his own in space. But he's. Uh, did you see the last tour when he was? I didn't get to uh, see it, and I regret that. He's so good, but but he is very well rooted in funk music and disco and all of that. He does have a very good sense of what people want to hear. I mean, burning down the house was the exact right song at yes. that time. I mean, what he's doing now because it's what he does now seems so different from what he did then. Yeah, but it's still maybe it isn't. You have to for, you have to always remember with David Byrne. You want to make him arty, and you want to make him really smart. 
but he's always got a groove, a groove like yeah. like you can't believe. Sure. You know, he always has. You know, David Byrne is able to bring the funk, <laughs> and because of the way he looks, you don't picture that, but he does. Yes. Yeah, and he also had to fight that. What do you mean? To get on the charts, it was a fight with the with rock radio. Yeah, he wasn't playing rock. Yeah, yeah, but they made it. But he's you know he's very well versed in his funkadelics parliament, all that stuff. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but the, the the Paul McCartney Rick Rubin thing is it's pretty amazing when he sits down and just rides the faders, and also when they fight over him. You know when you bring up just the vocal. And just like the vocal and drums, and you'll see Paul go. Let's get some guitar in there. Some. <laughs> yeah. He knows where the mistakes are. He wants to hide it. Now turn this up a little bit so we don't hear that. And Paul also says, which is really great. He says on Michelle, uh, Michelle. He says I um my vocal's really weak, so we overtracked it, so maybe nobody would notice. But I don't sing that well. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So it's 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 pretty interesting. Sounds great. Uh, it's it's it, it's also beautifully shot beautifully shot uh it's just uh, i don't know how many cameras there are they're moving around <laughs> they built a studio on paul's property in jersey or something <laughs> i think he lives in jersey and there's i mean new jersey right and there's cameras moving around and rick rubin it's all black and white and it's beautifully lit and rick rubin is in like uh shorts t-shirt and barefoot Talking to Paul and McCartney. And they built the studio on his property. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't like they didn't have the budget to get him shoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty interesting to see. Uh, you know, I've always had, I also, re I really realized that I was wrong about everything about the Beatles, which is really important um, yes. to me because I had a sense of who Paul was, mm -hmm. who John was, who George was, and who Ringo was. And I was a John kind of guy. And if I liked an idea, that was John's idea. And then hearing him go through and going, no, I was just wrong. And those weren't the personalities. The only thing that's really true about the Beatles, and I think I believed at the time that I still believe now, mm -hmm. but my point of view on it is very different, is Paul says, you know, I would get ideas. I would butt in with ideas, and they'd always hate me for it, <laughs> which I think was true. I mean, Paul kept the Beatles together. Paul was the only one who really worked hard. Yeah. He tried. He was a hardworking overachiever. And the rest were that, but they were trying to um, uh, cloak it in slackerdom, you know? Yes. Like not giving a fuck. Yeah. But Paul did give a fuck and still gives a fuck to this yeah, day. The earliest grunge band. Yeah. That's <laughs> where they wanted to see themselves. Yeah. And Paul was trying hard, and he was also the most experimental. He was the most musically far out. All that psychedelic stuff I always thought was John. It's all Paul. Right. Is there any chance that he's taking credit for it now that uh, no. there's no there, one to say no? I there, mean, there isn't because um, uh, the tapes are there. Okay. And you yeah. know, you know who's there doing how, what. How wonderful is that? Yeah, we have, we have it recorded. And I think, that, uh, I think that, you know, what everybody says who works with Paul, they get a little bit annoyed only because he's that good. So I think <laughs> yeah. all the stuff I've said bad about Paul in the past has been a lot. I think I was just wrong. Yeah. I think I was just trying so hard to make the Beatles parts of my personality that I broke down and wanted to follow. They were which, yours. Yeah. You used to own them. Yeah. And I don't anymore. Now yeah. they're showbiz people. Anything else right. say on that, Rick? Uh, Rick? I just called you Rick. Ricky? <laughs> Rick? <laughs> I don't think we have time for it now, but I'd like to pin you down for a segment on Yoko. Oh, I love Yoko. Oh, do I love Yoko. I love, love, love Yoko. 
And I always liked the stuff with Yoko better than I liked the stuff with Paul that John did. <laughs> but we'll talk about that another time. Yoko I, is not on this list. She's allowed at that she's guy's house. She's allowed at that guy's house. Maybe that's Yoko's house. <laughs> oh, Maybe it's Yoko's there house. There it is. You've solved it. That was Penn Sunday School. That was Penn Sunday School. Cha-cha-cha. And to our listening You become naked. You know whose name is on this list that I'm shocked to see? Who? Helen. It's just this Helen. <laughs> Poor Helen is not allowed in the house. <laughs> Helen is great. <laughs> Who else on the list, you know? <laughs> Colin Powell is not allowed into the house. No, we love you. LL Cool J, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> speaking of those people, who else do we want to thank? Thanks a ton to the following patrons. We really appreciate it. Nicole Martin, Matthew Rausch, Crazy Cat Lady Scoop, Nick Hemsing, Brian and Michelle Laddle, Music Man, Larry XGD Falcon Latouf, Jamie Thrasher, Rachel Hawkins, Mark Smith, Jake Schneider, Pete Hoke, Mark Hauser, Doug Hirschberger, Jeremy Davidson. Robin Garnett, Obi Dimitrian Jr., Jeremy R. 22, Winter Ryakowski, Allison Sage, Kristen Kledick, Michael Cohen, Dr. Scoop Little, Joseph Mastrangelo, Jeremiah Jenkins, Nate Soloway, Kelly Reeves, Michael Kaplan, Jesse Miller, Alexander Hoffman, Michael Howard, Danny Olwine, Julian Webb, Stephen Volcano, Jim the 21 Year Naked Magician, Scoop Mids, and Paul McBride. <laughs>